On this edition of the Scott Radley Show podcast, we have a ton of stuff to get to. Brightest conversation in Hamilton podcasting. We're going to be chatting about the new arena proposal that Michael Anlauer, owner of the Bulldogs, has made and the report that the city has about an arena. We're going to be chatting about banned license plates, banning cell phones in classrooms, Kim Campbell and her ridiculousness with the hurricane that's rolling into the States and how she's embarrassed the country, and all kinds of other stuff. Mike Fortune joins me. Stick around and enjoy. Today on the Scott Radley Show on 900 CHML. It is Friday. It's time for what we like to call the brightest conversation in Hamilton Radio. Last one of the summer. I mean, it's not technically, not not literally the last one of the summer. Summer goes till middle or late September, but for all intents and purposes, the last one of the summer. So who better to bring in than Mr. Summer himself, Mr. Sunshine himself. Sunshine and lollipops and... Uh, Mike Fortune for hey. Table 14. I don't know about the lollipops, but certainly... Uh, Hello, everyone. You always look like you've been in the sunshine. Uh, I got sun-kissed quite a bit this uh, summer. Spent a lot of time up at uh, cottages, on lakes, uh, enjoying some beverages and a little fishing, and uh, just a lot of quality time with... Not, not uh, beverages while fishing. No, 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 no. Very, well, I mean, if you're on the dock, I suppose I, that's allowed. I was on the dock quite a bit. Um, no, just a lot of fun with family and friends, you know, creating those memories. That's what it's all about. We have some wonderful f- uh, folks that we've been cottaging with for about 15 years now from Rochester, and we've gotten to know them and watching all the kids grow up together. It's the the one time of year for two weeks where we just, we have so much fun. Scott. Do you ever go down to Rochester? You ever been down to their place? Uh, no, I, we've driven through it, but never actually stayed. We're invited. We, we have uh, room and board if we ever want it, but never been. Uh, Rochester is a, uh, I'm not going to badmouth Rochester. It's a, it's a, a little rough around the edges, a little gritty. All right. But they have a place there that if you're ever near Rochester, mm-hmm. and if you are not vegan, <laughs> that this is this is important to this story. Okay. You got to stop in at the dinosaur. It's just called the dinosaur. The dinosaur. It's that's a it. it's a barbecue place. Is it is it like a, a spinoff of like what the Flintstones would be eating? I don't think they have brontosaurus burgers <laughs> <laughs> that tip over the whole car. But the dinosaur is. I mean, look, we I've, I've been down for work and stuff to Houston, down to Texas. Yeah, that's barbecue. But this is this is as close to great barbecue. You gotta okay. stop in there. The dinosaur. I'll and uh, it was down there. I was covering a Bulldogs game back when they used to be in the AHL. Stopped in, and the dinosaur is right around the corner from the old War Memorial Arena sure, where they yeah. play. Grabbed two pulled pork sandwiches for the road, and was driving home at about two o'clock in the morning. Nice. With now a good pound of <laughs> pork. In my gullet. 3,000 calories and how much sodium. And I usually, that would almost have been enough for me to get dozy in the car. Thank goodness I wasn't because driving on the straight highway, no lights or anything, all of a sudden, 100 meters in front of me, I'm doing maybe 110. I hope there's no police listening. Yeah, that's all right. And all of a sudden, as soon as I could see them, there is a herd of deer crossing the road in front of me. Wow. And I slam on the brakes, realize I'm not going to stop in time, aim between two of them. Come on. And nick the back of one. He runs off. He was seemingly okay. Yeah. But I'm sitting there in the middle between Rochester and Hamilton and thinking it's 3, 2.30 in the morning. Now I've got the headlight of my car hanging out, looking like an eyeball that's falling out of its socket. The front of the hood is dented. I'm just, oh, please let my car drive because I'm, anyway. So, if you're ever down in Rochester with your friends. It's a long story. It's a very long, <laughs> stupid, story. How was your story. summer? How was your there, there, summer? Well, I, I can't give you more than that. You that's that's all I'm going to give you for, okay. you know, okay. I don't want to bore people more than I've already started well, by boring hey. them. Story today uh, in The Spectator is about is a twofold story, but it's connected, and we talked about it last night on the show. The first part is that there's a report from Ernst & Young that was commissioned by the city that's going to be coming in front of the city's General Issues Committee meeting on Wednesday that is, was asked to look at and study the arena situation and the entertainment situation, convention center, theater, all the rest. Sticking with the, theater, the, with the stadium, the arena part for a moment, this report, this independent report from Ernst & Young says the recommended move is knock down First Ontario Center, build a new 10,000-seat arena somewhere, not on the same spot. Once that's built, you knock down first Ontario Center. Now you put the convention center there. Then you knock down the old convention center and sell that land to a developer. And that money goes into city coffers to help pay. It's an interesting concept that would put some money back in the city's hands. And you would have a new convention center, a new arena. 
the theater, Hamilton Place Theater or First Ontario Concert Hall needs about $8 million in upgrades, but it's okay otherwise. So the arena though. So we've got the arena potentially, they're saying a new 10,000 seat arena. At the same meeting, unconnected, but at the same meeting, Michael Anlauer, owner of the Bulldogs, is a, has a proposal that has been submitted saying that he, along with Cadillac Fairview that owns Lime Ridge Mall, wants to build a new 10,000-seat arena with city help at Lime Ridge Mall. It would be probably attached to the mall where the Sears was. Sears is not there anymore, so you now have a situation like in Guelph where you have a, an arena with the mall, and it's something that revitalizes the mall, and it revitalizes that area. Lots of parking, easy access to the link, those kind of things. All sounds positive. On first blush, when you hear the proposals of either a downtown arena and entertainment district, entertainment precinct, whatever you want to call it, or a an arena up at Lime Ridge Mall, which one sounds like the right move to you? Well, without, stu- I mean, we, I know we haven't looked at all the proposal and everything else. On first blush. First, first blush. I think the out-of-the-box thinking and going up to the West Mountain, Central Mountain area, Lime Ridge Mall, I think sounds like a very interesting idea to potentially pursue. See, the argument against that, and this is what the city is saying, the argument against that is if you're going to build, you want to build a a, a density of mm-hmm. buildings of things. So you have people at the convention center. If you're going to build a hotel down there and they're talking about a hotel potentially as part of the convention center. They've been then talking about a hotel for how many years? Many Many. More than many? Many many's? And I don't know. Here's here's a curious part about this, the hotel thing, is that it's unclear to me. I know that uh, when Glenn Norton, who's the head of economic development, was talking about this, and, and you know, Glenn Norton, is he, he's great at his job. So this is, it was unclear to me, and I didn't follow up with good enough questions to ask. I don't think the city is going to be getting involved in building a hotel. I don't think the city wants to get into the hotel industry. It's probably private It would private be private money. money built in with this thing, I would assume. Yep. Because if the city's looking to get out of entertainment and that kind of things, I don't think it wants to start getting into hospitality. And there have been talks of the people in the city that want to build the hotels and the casinos and all that. I don't think any of that's secret. It's been out there for a while. Uh, I am... There is, to me, um, there is some logic, for sure, in the Lime Ridge Mall idea. Sure it is. There is some logic to me in the Lime Ridge Mall idea. And I'll tell you the number one thing that strikes me about the idea... A, uh, besides the access, as I say, to the highway and the parking and everything, it's who are the people who are largely buying hockey tickets, concert tickets, event tickets? And I, I haven't done the, the studies, but I'm looking, thinking, you know, it's the people in Ancaster, Dundas, Stony Creek, Flamborough, on mountain, the mountain. East Mountain, West Mountain. That's not saying people downtown are not buying it. But it seems to me that if you can make it easier for the people who are, in a lot of ways, driving a lot of your sales... Th- there is some logic in that. I would, I would, in a heartbeat, get involved with the Hamilton Bulldogs and zip over to Lime Ridge Mall to watch to watch a few more games than I would right now. When I go down, and honestly, Scott, I'm with Cable 14, but I watch zero now because it's it's. I just don't want to go downtown. Sorry, City of Hamilton. Well, no, and the argument is, well, if you build it downtown, that and you have concerts and events and everything, it will do things. A new building will lure people downtown and will help with the redevelopment of the downtown core. Yeah, for how long? Well, they said the same about the Sky Dome. The only, and the only, the, another thing too, the only thing that is going to lure people as well are winning teams. Winning teams and great concerts. And events. great concerts. And how long has Mr. Ann Lauer been saying this and asking for this? At least, well, well uh, at the, least four the, years since he's brought the junior team here and probably before then with the AHL he, team. I think it's been at least since the AHL days. He's been saying he wants to do something. And and there has been talk, let's move them to Burlington, let's move them to Aldershot. I'm sure a city like that was just panting and saying, please come here, we would love to work with you. Well, here's the tricky part of this thing when you're the city, is that you have Cadillac Fairview that owns Lime Ridge Mall expressing interest in being in with this proposal. But the sense is that if you say, no, 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 this building must be downtown, Cadillac Fairview, which now no longer has a stake in this, says, okay, we're out. So now, if you build it up at Lime Ridge Mall, the private sector component probably goes up considerably. The amount you can get, because it's Ann Lauer and Cadillac Fairview, and I specifically asked Ann Lauer yesterday, is it the total the same? Like, is it 40 million and you guys are sharing that, and if Cadillac Fairview pulls out, it's now your 40 million? No, no, it's a bigger amount 
they're each giving us a separate amount. So it's a bigger amount of private sector contribution if it's up there. If it comes downtown, the taxpayers are going to pay more for it. Now, there may be more spinoff benefits. That's the argument that's being given. But here, Mike, the, the problem that I have with this or the thing that seems to always come back is when the stadium debate was going on, there was a segment that said it has to be in the downtown. It can only be in the downtown. Never didn't end up being there, but that was a long argument about the West Harbor and everything else. Remember it well. LRT. Heaven knows. It has to be east-west. It has to go through the downtown, not north-south, not from the mountain down. So many times it seems when we're talking about stuff in this city, there is a default position that it must be done in the downtown. And my question is, is that a wrong default position to have? I know we want to build up our downtown, but should we be, or should council, when I say we as a city, should we be saying, look, we don't have money. So if we've got someone willing to spend dough and we've got to do something, follow the money and go where it makes the most sense. It doesn't have to be downtown at all. I I respect anyone that's down at City Hall and the experts and the senior managers and and what what they do. But boy, to think out of the box, as I alluded to earlier using that term, and to, to try something and to look at something different and say, hey, this makes some sense. Let's give it, let's, let's do it. Because we have been talking about our downtown core for how many years, saying it has to be built up, it has to get, it has to be more improved. So, and yes, there have been incremental improvements, I would say, but I can tell you downtown Hamilton is still not a destination that I want to bring my wife and my kids down to on any given Thursday, Friday, or Saturday night. But in a heartbeat, I will take them out to Brant Street in Burlington and if you're going to put something up on the mountain where I'm familiar, I know what's going on around there, and I think a lot of people think this way, I think they're going to have a great shot at doing very well if up you, by Lambridge Mall. I think it was Bill Kelly this morning. Bill was talking to Michael Anlauer. We had him on last night. He was on with Bill this morning. And I think it was Bill who said, because they were talking about spinoffs and we're going to have all these businesses that pop up and everything around. And Bill pointed out, yeah, but we've had an arena here for 30 years and it hasn't done that. Hasn't done anything. So... And, and certainly Tim Hortons Field has led to no businesses popping up around Tim Hortons Field. There's been no spinoff. Thing. All these things we keep talking about where it's going to lead to this explosion of business around it and restaurants and pubs and bars. It, it hasn't, doesn't mean it couldn't happen. And maybe if you put a giant compressed entertainment district together, it would happen. But yeah. there's no evidence that it happens. H- Hamilton is really stuck in its own little time capsule. And, and, and there are... People are, I think, afraid of making that big, drastic change and being responsible for wanting to do something different. And if you look at other cities that have done a 180, who have been successful, they've rolled the dice and they have listened to experts and they've brought in other people, they've done their due diligence and they've tried it and it's been successful. Look, everything's not going to work. This is something that I think has a lot of potential. And when you have a gentleman like Mr. Anlauer, and I've for years I've often wondered this, boy, he has thrown a lot of his own money into this. And we let's face it, we all know the Bulldogs aren't making a ton of money in return, but he's thrown a lot out. He's willing to do it yet again. I think that shows community-mindedness. I think it shows a lot of leadership. And it shows that he has a passion, not just for the game of hockey, but for this city. And he wants to see it succeed. Because if he didn't, he wouldn't want to be heavily invested as he wants to be. I think there's something worth saying at this point, by the way, for someone who hasn't read the story yet or hasn't been following this closely. And they're saying, why am I going to spend all this money? Well, the report from Ernst & Young does point out that even if the city were to do nothing right now, if it wasn't to build a new arena, over the next five years, the city is going to have to put over $40 million into First Ontario Centre just to keep it safe and to keep it operating. So we're, we're at a point now, the reason we're having this conversation, mm-hmm. it's not a want, it's a need. To keep this building, I, I mean, I suppose they could just shutter the building, but then you have no facility for concerts or events or anything. The city is going to have to pay $40 million anyway. Mm-hmm. So do you want your $40 million going into keeping a building up and running and over the next 30 years, it's like 75 or $79 million at least. Or do you want to look at something else? That's why this discussion is happening. It's not just because people want a new arena. Some Money is going to be spent. It's going to be spent. And, you know, the other thing is, I've heard a lot of people say over the last few days about this, well, look at Ottawa. They built their arena out in the middle of nowhere in the suburbs, and it's a disaster. I'm not sure that Lime Ridge Mall is the same as Kanata. 
Lime Ridge Mall is not in the middle of nowhere. It's a heavily populated. It's a heavily populated. It's not like it's nowhere. So that to me is a red herring. The the debate, you want to have the debate? I'm open for the debate. Hopefully not as long as the LRT. But well, there's a whole nother part to this whole downtown thing as well. Well, that's, I would think that's part of LRT. Let's make sure it all connects and we do all the stuff that makes this thing work together. But I'm just saying that when this debate does get going, the idea that somehow it's got to be in an area that is populated. Well, Limeridge Mall is populated. It's sure populated. Is. Let, let me just throw another little twist. What, what I do kind of during the day is involved with, with other things. So Southwestern Ontario and the Kitchener Rangers and the London Knights, they have uh, season ticket lineups galore. It's, it's unbelievable. They talk about these teams, their passion. I've sat in boardrooms. All they talk about, the Rangers, the Knights, Rangers and the Knights, win or lose. You don't have that passion here in Hamilton about your Hamilton Bulldogs. But this is, and you're, you may be right, but the point of this also, Mike, yep, is I know. this is not just a hockey thing. This is, an, this is a concert thing. I this is an it. event thing. But if you're your number one tenant, 41 nights of the year, 21 nights of the year, whatever it's going to be. 38. 38, thank you. If they're going to be your major tenant, you want to have people a, there. You want to have people there. You're listening to the Scott Radley Show podcast on 900 CHML. Mike Fortune is in the studio. Yeah. Mike, I want to go to a story out of New Hampshire here. There's a woman in New Hampshire who has a personalized license plate. And I'm going to read you the license plate, see if you okay. can figure out what it says. Okay. It is P-B number four W-E-G-O. P before we go? P before we go. P before we go. Every mother's, every father's advice before you get in the car. Exactly. P before we go. Well, the New Hampshire says uh, they she, they have to. She has to give this license plate up. It's in violation of state requirements. Let me guess. Because it's offensive. It's offensive oh. because it references an excretory function. Yes. Heaven forbid. Something we all do. You know, I can understand if it said like you know poo on your head or something, but it's <laughs> P before we go. Every mother has ever, now by the way, it, it's I don't know that anyone's ever put that other it, license plate <laughs> rec- recommendation out cute, there. It's cute. It's clever. It's, hey, it's a reminder to other drivers while you're out there. She's doing a goodwill service to everyone. But of course, heaven forbid, well, and so you've I've, offended people. I can't see how this is possibly offensive, but you know, never let it be said that bureaucrats don't have the possibility, power to make independent thought part of their job. They have people who tell them what to do and they follow it religiously and strictly yep. to the point that sometimes something you could think through and just come up with mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. A, a solution is gone. But anyway, I was looking through other places and other license plates. Tell me if you think any of these would be offensive. If you had gone to get a license plate, these are different places in Canada. Uh, rejected license plates in... ICB, uh, where is this one from? Manitoba. Reject, uh, rejected license plates in Manitoba. KKK. I, I would say yes. Yeah, I, I, I would be fine with rejecting KKK. Now, what, what, let me ask you this. What if your initials I would, well, KKK? Don't forget, there was that guy in uh, Nova Scotia or somewhere whose last name was Grabber. G-A-B-H-E-R. That's right. H-E-R. And he had to have his plate taken away. And they said, you can't have that because it sounds like it's a sexual assault. And he's like, no, it's my name. <laughs> it's my name for crying out loud, yeah. Um, 7MM Mag. 7mm Magazine. Yeah, pretty. that's a sensitive topic nowadays with, with guns. And I, I, don't know that, I don't know that it's a... See, I don't know that that's offensive. I, I, I think in the day and age with the sensitive... Topic and 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 with all yes. what you're seeing with with mass shootings, I think that can that would rub a lot of people the wrong way. Stolen. <laughs> I think it's funny. I mean, look if you if you <laughs> want to have stolen as a license plate, I think you can expect to be pulled over a few times. Hey, <laughs> but what, how is that offensive? I don't find that offensive. I think um, it's clever. I like that one. This one now maybe there's a secondary meaning to this that I'm unaware of, but Wu Tang. Didn't we have the Wu Tang Clan back in the day? That, uh, you're that gonna have to check up the Urban Dictionary. For maybe that one. now that means some something slang else. There, but maybe. there was a group that we listened to on yeah, the radio the called the Wu Tang Clan. I don't know. Maybe I've just said something horrendously offensive that you, I'm not you're aware have of. The CRTC. I feel sorry for Jeff Story on Tuesday when he gets back in. Yep. If if it has a different <laughs> meaning, then we're gonna have to get rid of all those references <laughs> in Yankee. Yankee. How could Yankee be a rejected license plate? 
yeah, I, I'm not sure what what is the meaning of Yankee. Why are they called the New York Yankees? There's a whole history lesson I don't know about. So maybe there is some underlying tone to it. Uh, yeah. I don't uh, know. Okay, from Alberta, they rejected WTF LOL. Well. Why the face? Laugh out loud. <laughs> Did you watch Modern Family? That was yes, what he said. Yes. No, why the face? Yes, okay. Uh, okay, so WTF, all right, I, I, I suppose. Uh, C-H-R-D-N-A-Y. I'm looking at, is that Chardonnay? Chardonnay. A wine? Promote, oh, alcohol and driving, uh, drinking and driving, promoting it. Yeah, but it's. You have to dig a little for that one. But um, it's 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 uh, it's the message it's sending. Um, there's some really good ones out there. Th- I mean, there's a lot of them here that are listed that I can't uh, can't stay on air. I get it. Carry twenty two is in carry a twenty two caliber. Okay, again, it goes back to your gun thing. Mm-hmm. Sativa type of cannabis, not allowing that now. Surely that now would be allowed at least in Ontario. Well, all across Canada. All across it's, Canada, yeah, you would think so. Snorter. <laughs> okay, <laughs> what's wrong with that one? You might just have a you got a, a sinus a, problem, a rhinoplastomy situation going on. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, okay, here's one that MD Wait. in Alberta is forbidden, even if you're a doctor. I don't know what else MD could stand for, so I don't get that one. But okay, here's one that they say is too sexualized, and therefore GR8 for PLA, great for play. You could own a child care yeah. situation, but no, they're saying, well, that's obviously like, this is, this is the kind of stuff that I look at and go, they have people now. I like that one that you just passed there. P-I-N-A-S. Pinas? Oh. <laughs> okay. Think about it, Scott. Yeah, I was thinking of like, I was thinking of the colada. <laughs> I was th- <laughs> Fair enough. See, it never dawned on me. I'm thinking this person likes cool beverages see, in the Caribbean. See how it, see how it can be misinterpreted Multiple pina coladas. I wasn't thinking of multiple organs <laughs> or a organ. Um, all right. In, um, what about the Seinfeld? Remember the Seinfeld one? Remember what? Remember well, the this one has been rejected. Ass man. Ass man. There you go. That was rejected. <laughs> this one is in SGI. Where is this one? Saskatchewan has rejected things like um, crap. Okay, this gets really stupid. In, in, in Saskatchewan, dorky is offensive. Dorky. Like, I don't even think it's offensive if I said, Mike, you're a dork. But if you call yourself dorky, yeah. how is that possibly offensive? And maybe, or maybe it's your nickname. Who knows? Hey, dorky, how's it going? Uh, here's one know. that they won't allow. For N-I-K-8. Fornicate? Fornicate. Okay. Uh, bimbo, not allowed. <laughs> Booger, not allowed. Um, doobie, drunk, drugs, geek, farts, gonads, hitman, all banned. Yeah, they Jesuit, are. manure, meat, Mr. Wood, murder, <laughs> newfie, no buns. Hey, there are Mr. Woods out there, though. I knew a Mr. Wood for crying out loud. Puke, utter, wee wee. Some of these are, you know. Again, they've got people who are sitting in an office somewhere in that the government. That is their job. Who, this is, can you imagine That's this is your job? job? And it goes back to what we were talking about last time, sort of, with the human rights thing. Your job is to find offense. Scrutinize. Okay? Because some of these things are obviously offensive. Of course. Some of these things, and I'm not reading the ones that are. But some are just darn clever and funny. Some of them are obviously offensive and I won't read you those ones and you go, no, you can't have that. But these ones, you are having to work hard to find the offense. Can you imagine that job waking up every morning, sitting around a boardroom table and saying, okay, what plates are we going to reject today? (laughs) (laughs) Um, Oh man, where did it all go wrong for me? Here's one. Q, 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 Q was rejected. Don't know what I don't know what again, that means. If there's a subliminal meaning to that. I don't know what that means. I've seen one that has all Z's. Yeah, so you're asleep. Yeah. You know, I must say for you, many years ago, back when I was in university, I've said this on this show before for regular listeners. Mm-hmm. I made a heroic appearance on bumper on stumpers. stumpers. Oh, you told me this story. I know. Twice. Because the first time the or the person running it, the director goofed up and bumped us off the show for a not a wrong answer. 
You should have been on Bumper Stumpers. You are a license plate magician. I'm pretty good at it. You're I have pretty to good. I enjoy it. I think it's fun. My wife is kind of amazed. It's it's like a sixth sense I have. I don't know. I wish Bumper Stumpers was still on the air with your your, yeah. your friendly host with Ready Cash, Al Dubois, <laughs> who was a weatherman from Montreal. Al was a lovely man. Way more, way nicer than the people I've we were competing against. I've actually pulled up sometimes to, and there's, there's, I can't figure it out. I'm trying to figure it out. I've wanted to actually pull up and say, excuse me. What does that wh- mean? What does that actually mean? I'm glad I didn't pull up and ask someone what their license plate <laughs> meant about their pina coladas. <laughs> P-I-N-A-S. So you like coconut and... What else is in that? Coconut and... Coconut uh, and rum. And rum, yeah. Like that. Not exactly. You're listening to the Scott Radley Show podcast on 900 CHML. It was an announcement yesterday, Mike, that I just... I can't believe it's taken this long for this announcement to be made. And I'll tell you, what stuns me about this announcement is... It's so obvious and so well-received and so seemingly, well, duh, that even those who absolutely despise Doug Ford are having, I think, a hard time (laughs) getting ahead of steam. It's the announcement that students in classrooms beginning in November will no longer be allowed to use their cell phones. You can have it in your backpack, but it's got to be off and it can't be used in the class. How did this take this long? This seems so obvious. Why is it taking so long? He's probably been talking to his advisor. Something's come out. Or we're coming up. No, but it. it could have been any other government. I mean, it, it, this seems like it's a, a brutally obvious thing to say, look, put your cell phones away when you're in class. Well, he, he, I think he's trying to get into the, the teacher's good graces. I believe they're up for a collective bargaining agreement or something coming up soon. So let's put a little announcement out there. Let's make your life a little easier, teachers. We're going to put a rule out there to make your life simpler and you have our full support if you have to take a phone away or however you want to discipline that's going to be a whole nother interesting i was going to say do you think this is going to help teachers or make it more difficult now they have to do more well hey now the teachers and principals have lots of time to ensure that notices go out to parents out to schools put it up in hallways that this is the new rule and uh, this might be a little bone thrown out by doug ford's government to the teachers to say hey we got your back we're going to help you out here is there any good timing for it well if if what you're saying is a uh, a little bone to teachers to that that will that they will appreciate then sure and i think it must be because i i have to believe and i haven't been talking to any teachers about this but i have to believe teachers are driven nuts by cell phones in classrooms. I have to believe it. Well, I think it might depend on who you talk to because I have talked to people who have who have kids and all I'm hearing is how much time the teachers are spending on their cell phones. So I hope this is tit for tat where... But they're not allowed to either. The teachers aren't allowed to either. Let's... Hey, I hadn't even thought about that. There you go. Because I, I've heard it. I've, I've seen it actually. So that will be very interesting. Can everyone break the habit? Monkey see, monkey do... And yet, as I say, it seems like such an obvious, like this isn't even one where if you're a government, whether it was Kathleen Wynne or, I mean, was Dalton McGinty too far in front of this? So it didn't, I don't know. I think you're going to have a lot of pushback from parents. Really? Yes. See, I'm looking at this and saying, if this is, this is one of those softballs sitting on the tee that a government can enforce and say, look, everybody's in favor. You think there'll be pushback? I don't think that everyone will be in favor because you have way too many helicopter parents out there that have to know anything and everything that is going on. They want to check in on their son. They want to check in on their daughter. Heaven forbid... If there is something going on in a school with with threats or something like that, how dare you take my communication well, hold on from a my second, son though. or daughter away yes, like this? But they are saying you can still have your phone on your person in your knapsack. It just can't be on. So if something that, if suddenly there was a threat, presumably the teacher, it's no longer a learning time. You teacher would say, okay, you can contact your parents. I, I just... So the, you can have the cell phone in your backpack? Yes. Can you have it beeping? And, and no, it's got to be off. Oh. It's got to be off. Okay. But, but So there's going to be that time if something happens in the school. Oh, now I got to go to my backpack, wait for it to turn on, processing, processing, and something's happening, and I wasn't able to get to them in time. They're going to angle this any which way. You watch. Helicopter parents are not going to like this. If there is a parent who's upset by this, and I'm, I'm, I'm not sure I'm in agreement with you because I think most parents are going to be all over this as a good thing. But if there is a parent who's upset, what happened when you and I were in s- school and a parent had to reach their kid? 
You call the office, office. and the office buzzes down to the classroom, and they say, Michael has to come to the office because his mom is waiting outside for him. Scott. So it takes an extra 10 seconds. Scott, that's too much work. We are in instant gratification. We need answers now. I guess. I don't want to be put on hold. I want to be able to text my son or daughter or vice versa, and I want an answer immediately. I guess. I don't want to be put on hold. I think, I just, I look at this thing and I think, like, I, I, I don't know... What teachers are going to say about this? If, if you're a teacher out there, I'd love to hear from you. Radley at 900CHML.com. I would think teachers would be thrilled by this. I would think. Because this is just such a... It, it has to be a major distraction in class. All time. You're trying to teach and you got dinging from text messages. Go, I mean, if you're dumb enough to leave your ding on, I suppose. Most I, kids, I think, would be savvy enough to turn off their I sound. I think you're going to have some teachers who are actually also in a position where they're, they're not looking forward. They're not looking forward to the confrontation. Here's the thing, Mike. We both know, maybe because we're both addicted. You you did a, a cell phone cleanse for a while. Oh, there. I've done more than that now. I've officially deleted the account. Have you? I'm done. I don't even no done now. Okay, so for many people, though, not being able to check the phone makes them anxious. Just being away from your device makes you anxious. Now you've, you've done a good job obviously of stepping away, but I am wondering about how this is going to play. Again, I support it. It, I think it's going to help the teachers greatly, but are kids going to be concentrating now as much as we like to think without the phone on it, or are they going to be thinking about their phone? And wondering what they're missing. Well, I also think kids use their phone for, for, for you know, chuckle if you want, but I do think they use their, their calculators on their phones. I think they use the Google translation for French class or uh, Spanish language. I, I think they do uh, use their phones for, for Google to look up history facts or whatever the case might be. I don't think it is all about just texting the pretty girl in the other class or your buddies about what are you doing at break time. I think there are educational purposes used for their phones as well. Which are still allowed under this new rule. That's still, if, it's, if a teacher deems it to be educational, it's still allowed. But the two of the three examples you just gave, using your calculator or using Google Translate, I would say, isn't that the point of going to school so you can learn to do the math and you don't need the calculator or you yeah. learn the French so you don't need the translate? The history stuff, looking stuff up on Google, fine. You, you need a calculator for a lot of the math still. Can, can you multiply 3.1 pi by 2 million? No, I can't. Come on. You, you can't <laughs> multiply pi by 2 million. <laughs> nope. <laughs> but, anyway, but before I went to the break, I was talking about... My jaw is hitting the floor. <laughs> I mean, that's not that complicated of multiplication. What's the answer then? Well, I haven't done it. I got to write it down. You want me to do it while we're talking? Yeah, let's do it while we're talking. You keep going and I'll see if I can do 2 million. You're not going to use a calculator. I'm not going to use a calculator. (laughs) Uh, Part of what I think the teachers are going to be afraid of is confrontation dealing with students and having to take their device away from them, either because they might have that nervous twitch, there's the addiction to it. Um, or they don't want to be there. They feel like they're being centered out in class. How you doing over there? I'm doing sure. all right. Do I need to no, keep no, talking No, 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 keep going. Are you even listening to me I'm now? I'm listening, absolutely. <laughs> I, I, Multitasking. I do agree See, that You and I can multitask and do all this stuff. I don't think kids nowadays can, but there's going to be confrontations and there are going to be, uh, how, how do you say that? There might, might be some hysterics and, and teachers, they deal with enough. Roughly all- 628 million, by the way. Let me check it on my calculator. No. <laughs> Their teachers have to put up with enough crap nowadays with attitudes and and, and, and and what kids are going through between their two years. And now all of a sudden you're taking something away from them. I, I'm telling you, well, that's gonna I, I be, think it could get, I think there can be some instances you're going to hear that it's going to be nasty. That's going to fall on the administration, on the school boards that to back up their teachers. Absolutely. That, it, look, if you're a teacher and you send a student to the classroom, to the office and say they were on their phone when we, it wasn't phone time and the off, and then mom or dad calls in to complain, the kid got kicked out of class and the principal backs down or acquiesces to the parent. Well, then the whole thing falls apart because the teacher's screwed. The teacher has to be completely bolstered by the principal that says, if you pull out your phone at a non-phone time in class and you get sent out of the classroom, too bad, so sad, you knew ahead of time. I don't, I, I'm assuming the but school we're in boards. A whole, we're in a whole different world now where back in the day when you and I went to school, we, we were, I know. Terrified? Well, we were terrified of our teachers and our principals, maybe not so much. And maybe. why was that? 
because we respected them. And because we knew that our parents well, respected them. Correct. And if we went home and said, Mrs. Smith kicked me out of class, mom was not going to say, well, Mrs. Smith is a jerk. All that's, She would have said, you're a jerk. All that's gone out the window now. For some. Because, again, there's helicopter parenting. There is coddling that's going on. And how dare you do X, Y, or Z or talk X, Y, or Z to or about my kid like that. You know? So it falls on the principles that they are going to have to be unrelentingly strong against the parents who want to fight this one. And do you think, do you think the principles then will have the backbone to be able to I stand hope so. up? I hope so. I would, I would, look, this is a provincial mandate. If, if you're a principal, you have the, the authority of the provincial ministry of education behind you and they are saying, stand firm on this. So again, it always, it always flies up the ladder. At some point, is someone going to give in to a parent and have the whole thing fall apart? Maybe, but I don't think so. I think it's going to happen sooner than you think. I think they'll try it. I think some parent will try it. I just would like to believe that when, the school board is going to say, no, this was the rule. When does this go into effect? November. November. So, so basically you have September and October. To practice. To, to practice, to prep, to educate, and to engage your student body population, including parents. These are the new rules. And you can only hope then that the parents will be on board and also help promote this. Uh, November the 4th is when this thing will actually go into effect. I would, I would hope I, that I Hamilton hope schools... I you are, right? Well, and I hope Hamilton schools are starting this rule on day one, on Tuesday, <laughs> and maybe there's a weaning process or a breaking in process, but that you're saying, we're not just going to start this on November 4th. All right, we're going to start this now. We're going to get you used to it. Maybe... You know, we'll have some except, I don't know what. It, to me, this doesn't seem difficult. This seems like we can put this, I don't know why they're waiting until November. You could have done this now. It's not, it's not like, okay, you diabetic students can't take your insulin. No one's going to die from this. Set the, it's I, culture I, shock. It's I, culture well, shock. It I applaud you, the rule, but let's do it now. November 4, though, we'll, we'll live with that. And well, then we'll see, as you say, we'll see how, when it is that the first complaint comes into the school board or the school and how they handle it. Based on, yes. Yeah. And, and you, you watch, because again, kid, kids uh, are a lot more rebellious nowadays. They, they will push the boundaries. There is no doubt about it. Maybe, it, maybe you have to, f- instead of uh, sending them to the principal's office, you should put the onus on the parents and you, you find the parents. How about that? Make it, make oh, it sure. them in you the You drop wallet. this on me when I have no time to respond to that. Interesting idea. <laughs> we'll pick that one up later. You're listening to the Scott Radley Show podcast on 900 CHML. I got to ask you this question. I don't know if everybody saw this. You're aware that there is a very, everyone's aware right now, that there is a very, very dangerous hurricane that is gathering over the Atlantic heading towards Florida. Hurricane Dorian. Dorian. Dorian smack dab over Miami apparently by he, Sunday. It's looking real, like it's it's category two right now. They're saying by, by Monday, four. maybe Tuesday, it could be a category four unless it takes a sudden turn. This is a really scary, really, really scary thing. And you've got a heavily, heavily populated part of the United States right in its path. You think back to, it's not exactly the same landing area, but you think back to Hurricane Andrew a few years ago and the damage and the loss of life it caused. You think back to other hurricanes and the horrendous cost of both houses and Hurricane Katrina and other things. I mean, these these are not jokeable things. And they're saying Dorian's going to be bigger than, than all of these at this point. Not Katrina. Not Katrina. Not Katrina. Okay. But her, but, yeah. but, and if it lands, it has the potential to do yeah. unbelievable damage. And Terrifying. here's the thing, even if you are not someone who gets injured by this, even if you va- evacuate or even if you get away. Your the, life is upside down. Your house. Exactly. Car, your house. Could, everything. Everything yeah. could be destroyed. Yep. So the reason I bring this all up is because yesterday or the day before, Kim Campbell, who is, keep in mind, a former prime minister, a representative of Canada, one of, I don't know how many prime ministers we've had, I should know that, but not many over the years. There's there's a very small elite group of people who have been prime minister of this country. Can I check it out on Google? Uh, see if you, you can find it, yes. Can you take the phone away from me? She sent out a tweet <laughs> saying that she really hopes that this hurricane makes a direct hit on Mar-a-Lago because that is where Donald Trump has his house. Now, you can love Donald Trump. You can hate Donald Trump. This is not about Donald Trump to me. This is not a political discussion. This is a morality and a question of whether Kim Campbell 
has a morality at this point, honestly. And and who leave aside the prime ministerial part about this? The the person who is supposed to be a representative of us, a spokesman of sorts, even though she's no longer in that position. What average person sends out a tweet that they hope for destruction of somebody or somebody's property or somebody's life? And keep in mind, Donald Trump isn't the only person who lives in this area. So what she said was she is hoping that this area is demolished so that Donald Trump is her. I, I, I look at this and I think Kim Campbell, now she apologized today because she, re- she realizes Doesn't what a matter. buffoon she was become. Doesn't matter. And that's what social media has done. You put something out there that, you know what, maybe in your head and maybe amongst a couple close friends, maybe over a cup of tea or beer, you might say something, ha ha. But as soon as you do something like that, Kim Campbell, you yourself look like an idiot. You look like more than an idiot. This is the problem I have. We social media. You're wishing ill will on someone else, and you're you're no longer no better now than what you might think of Donald Trump. And you are someone when the world looks at you, you it says behind your name that you are a former prime minister of Canada. So whether you're former or and whether you're distant and whether you were voted in or whether you took the office, whether you lasted four months or whatever. The rest of the world doesn't know everything about Kim Campbell. They simply know this is a someone who was primate, who was leader of our country. And now all Canadians are going to be painted this way. 23, by the way. 23, thank you. So it's a very small group. Exclusive club, if you will. I am, I am so unbelievably disgusted by Kim Campbell at this point. It, 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 that it, I, I'm almost speechless that you would have someone who has been in that position who has so little common sense and so little compassion and so little morality. And I'm looking at this thinking, surely she is on the public dime at this point. You would think. She's getting some sort of public purse, some sort of pension, some sort of whatever. Other people who work in the public sector who would say stuff that would be grossly offensive would be cast out. They would have been cut off. They would have someone. We have the guy who works for the city who was just cut off from the city, who left, they say he left, I don't know if he left or if they got rid of him, who was in IT, whatever, because he said stuff that was offensive. He was involved with stuff that was offensive. And so he's no longer, the city has said, Mm -hmm. no, thank you. We don't want people like that around. We're not putting taxpayers' money into you. How How can we be putting taxpayers' money into Kim Campbell when she represents us like this? Well, you saw the firestorm that happened here in Hamilton, and there was that vacuum of people that just did not let it go, and that's what kind of pushed that thing along. So if if people are that upset, you then have to create the firestorm, and you have to get Kim Campbell out and the media can do that. The people squeaky wheel will get the grease. However, because we're in such a turnaround 24 hour news cycle, it will be forgotten and will be moved on. Just like what Trump does, just what like other big names, politicians, athletes do. It's so quick. This will get swept under the rug. But should it be the requirement of the media and social media to drum up the interest? The city said that the city in Hamilton with this particular guy who was involved in stuff that said the city was going to do it because it could not tolerate having someone like this with these positions and these connections and stuff involved with the city. To me, this is a public thing. The, The government of Canada, to me, should be involved in this saying, like she made a public statement and she, and she cannot, here's the thing, Mike, she can't say, when you're the former prime minister of the country, you can't say, oh, this was just me speaking as a private citizen. No. When you've got your Twitter account as a former prime minister, everything you say is as former prime minister. You should always be thinking that way. Well, here's a real chance for the government to, to do something, to, to say, okay, we've had enough. And this can be a... Um, a teachable moment, if you will, and you hit it, hit them where it hurts. You hit them in the pocketbook, and you 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 make uh, you make a case of this. That that's what you should. Re- if you're that serious about it, and if you're that upset about it, that is what you do. Because if you don't, you're going to show that this is okay, and this is just a little. Uh, it's just Twitter. It's social media. You know these things blow over. You, you can't you can't keep doing that because that's what we continue to keep doing. We just gloss over things and move on without making an example of people. I'm I'm if this was 
Has Trump responded to this? I'm just I, curious. I don't know. You don't know? I don't know. But he, I, I'd love to actually hear his response. But once again, <laughs> let me throw this out there. If this was Stephen Harper who had tweeted this. Yeah, go after him. People would have gone after him like crazy. Because Kim Campbell has been a critic of Donald Trump, she seems to now be, with many Canadians, given a free pass on this stuff. But there's a difference between being a critic of someone's policies mm-hmm. And even she says, well, I was just, it was just a joke. I was just, e-. there is a difference between criticizing someone's policies, which I am a hundred percent in favor of. Sure. I'm a hundred percent in favor. And even if you are a former politician or a former prime minister, you are entitled to criticize policies. But, but there should be, there, there should be an, a level of decency among the human race in general That's that you would never wish any ill will on any, you might disagree on policies, but as soon as you start wishing um, horrible things to happen to them, injury, death, illness, you're a sickening person. That's, that's the difference to me. We, ha, take issue on Twitter with Donald Trump 24 hours a day yep. with his policies and with things that he says and with other things. Uh, that is entirely fair game. Entirely fair game. But when you then say, I'm wishing for a direct hit on Mar-a-Lago because that's a heavily, densely populated area of the state of Florida where other people are there, even if you then later go, oh, ha, 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 I just meant it as a joke. I'm sorry, that that is so far to me beyond the pale. As, I, I would even give a bit of a pass, a, maybe a bit of a pass to someone who was not necessarily public speaking savvy or social media savvy or something. This is a former prime minister who knows exactly that her words are going to be looked at. Now people are going to be saying, yeah, but Scott and Mike, think about all the things Donald Trump has said about others, fat shaming a protester, um, um, talking about ill will of other people as well. Like Trump has been doing this for many years. And I've got two answers to that. First of all, uh, don't support those things. Second of all, Donald Trump is an American. That's not our problem to deal with. That can be an American problem to deal with. And beyond that, I don't know that you you said it a moment ago. If you're upset with Donald Trump because of those things that he says, and you then do the exact same thing, it makes you no better than him. Correct. It makes you no better than him. Kim Campbell right now, in my mind, is essentially on the same level morality-wise as Donald Trump. What can Kim Campbell then do to change your mind, Scott? What would she do to change my mind? What, what, what can she do to turn this around so you can be a Kim Campbell supporter maybe at some point down the road? Because words do hurt. Words don't go away. Uh, you know what some people do when they do stupid stuff like this? They say, you know what? I don't trust myself anymore to be on social media because clearly I don't have the discipline or the self-control to choose my words correctly. Even though I'm someone who has spoken in a public forum for most of my life, I am recusing myself from social media because I just am not mature enough or disciplined enough to be able to do this properly. That would be a step for me. Okay. For her to step away and say, I clearly I whiffed here in a big way. And I showed my colors in a way that were disgusting, and I, I don't trust myself to handle this anymore. Right. That would be something that Stepping would be a start. Stone. Yep. I, fe- I hear you. Apologizing it and then saying, uh, I've deleted my tweet about the hurricane and Mar-a-Lago and sincerely apologize to all it offended. It was intended as sarcasm, not a serious wish of harm. She's already in the midst of saying how she's sorry, but then saying, but it was sarcasm. In other words, you people who misinterpret this are kind of stupid. It was obviously sarcasm. It's it's on you. It's for a backhanded apology. Yeah, it's not good enough. And, and that's why when you put that, that's why you know you really have to take that breath or that minute or that night when you put something out there on in an email, just really read it a few times before you hit that stupid send button. Like my gosh, that that's. That, that's basic 101 on, on, on communications. But here you have someone, and you're, you're 100% right, but you have many people in the world who are unfamiliar or don't recognize that their words, what could happen when you light a, twit, a tweet bomb. Kim Campbell knows exactly what's going to happen. This is a woman who's been in the public eye for almost her whole life, certainly her whole adult life. Mm -hmm. This is not something that she can 
turn around and say, I had no idea somebody was going to take issue with my words. It's going to be out there forever now. And and wouldn't this be a real kick if, heaven forbid, something does happen to Mar-a-Lago? And all the people around there. And and, and, and then what do you do, Kim Campbell? How, how do you feel then about your tweet? Well, again, I'm just really sorry. I'm just really sorry. Pass along my thoughts and prayers, which, by the way, I can't stand that. Thoughts and prayers. So, sorry. you know... I, it, 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 it's, I don't know. I, I, I just, I find myself so disgusted. It's not about, it's not about, this is not a political thing. It's not about whether you agree or disagree with Donald Trump. If you're listening and you say, I hate Donald Trump with every fiber of my being, that is your position. You're entitled to have that position. I'm not going to tell you that you're not supposed to feel that way, but as a former leader of our country, I don't believe that publicly you should be rooting for that for harm to come to him or anyone else. Mm -hmm. Again, take all the issue you want with his politics. Agreed. But not this, and this is, and she knows better. She knows better. And again, I, if this was someone who was simply working in the public service, or was a manager in public service, or was an employee, there would be repercussions probably with their job, probably with their pension. Within 12, 24 hours. Done. Where are the repercussions on someone who is living off? I'm sure she's still living off the taxpayer's dime. Where are the repercussions for her with her job? Why why is it someone who is now the former prime minister? It would seem it's simply enough to say, I'm sorry. Well, hey, at the end of the day, she now has to live with herself. Well, that's, I'm sure she's not too bent out of shape about it. If If you were a civil servant, if you were working in an office, and I know it's not, one plus one is not the same here. But if you were working in an office and you pulled up a porn site on your computer and you got fired and goes, I was just joking. I was showing someone a, something. Are they going to say, oh, never mind. Come back to work. No, you're fired. You're done. You're fired. There are things that people do. There are comments that people will make on social media that will get you in I, that kind of... Tr- I don't probably, believe she should be exempt from this kind of scrutiny from the government. You know, you know what would be really interesting? You know, I know through my workplace, and I'm not sure about you, Scotty, you know, I have to do a, a code of conduct training every year. It's pretty much the same code of conduct training. It's the same stories, the same questions. But again, they are good reminders. I'm curious if the government of Canada has a code of conduct that you have to follow and on a For yearly, former prime ministers? Well, if she's still on the dime, she should be able, she should have to do something to, to accept her pension and her check maybe. But you I, have to go through a code of conduct training. But do we not expect... See, I, no, I, I'm, you I'm can't sure, expect... I'm can't. sure that we don't have a code of conduct. I'm sure Kim Campbell doesn't have to sit down yearly and get a booklet sent to her saying here... Because well, you expect that former prime ministers are going to act with a level of decorum. Perhaps now you do. Maybe you do. Maybe you do, because guess what? It's got to be a classroom with Paul Martin and Stephen Harper and Kim Campbell and Joe Clark all have to get together uh, once a year and have could, some government person walk them through the code of conduct rules. Just do it online. Just do it. You put together something, make it mandatory that you have to do once a year, because guess what? They're good little reminders. I do it every year, and every once in a while I'm doing like, oh, yeah. You want to know something, Good though? little reminder about that one. Forge, make a note. You want to know something, though? We can cross political lines, party lines. I don't believe that Jean Chrétien would have said something like this. I don't believe Stephen Harper would have said something like this. I don't believe Paul Martin would have said something like this. I don't believe Joe Clark would have said something like this. Go up and down. The, 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 you don't need to do this because you have people who hold that position. Who uh, Here's the thing. Who understand the privilege that it was to be in that spot and understand the power that it was to be in that spot, even in a country on the world stage as small, relatively speaking, as Canada. And they do better because they say to themselves, every word I say reflects and represents this country. Kim Campbell has forgotten that, obviously. On the flip side, you and I are both on the same page, and I'm sure there's others that are out there. There is also a whole another segment of this population and this great country of ours that don't Care oh, there's a bunch rooting her on pay who think it's great. Couldn't care less. I live in my bubble. I don't care what anyone does. There's that whole population. There's a lot too. of people who would be cheering for Kim Campbell. A lot of people were on Twitter saying, way to go. You nailed it. To, and to me, that would be the same as then saying, okay, so you're okay then if Kim Campbell also says, hope lightning strikes Barack Obama this week. I'm hoping for a direct hit on Barack Obama's house from mm-hmm. a lightning storm. Those people suddenly, I don't think, would be quite so eager to have 
Kim no, Campbell's thoughts I get put it. out there. I get it. And, and You've got to be better. And Kim Campbell has to put herself in, in other people's shoes. What if something was said about her and her family and her house being having a direct hit with, with well, something? You she know? probably want the RCMP to investigate them. Sorry, this one, this one just rankles You're me. You're riled. No, because it's so bush league and it's so immoral and it's so, it, we expect more from the Agreed. people who are our leaders. This, we expect better leadership and better example from the people who are and were our leaders. And being Canadian, the most polite country in the world and how we are perceived. What did, what does Michelle Obama say? When they go low, you go high. When they go low, Kim Campbell goes even lower apparently. Boom. I'm just disgusted with that woman. You're listening to the Scott Radley Show podcast on 900 CHML. Last week or the week before, we were talking on this show. I was listening to the view, the listeners. They were calling in on this one. There was a guy in BC, I believe it was, or Alberta, who was who put out an ad on Kijiji for a babysitter. <laughs> and a guy, a man, applied and didn't get the job. Now it turns out that the man who put the ad out there with his two or three children later said, I decided I didn't, my situation changed. I didn't need a babysitter. Which you are, have the right to do. However, the man who did not get the job, who interviewed and was not hired, filed a human rights grievance against the person saying it's a gender discrimination case because he only wanted a woman to do it. Well, according to the National Post, the same guy who filed that Interviewed with an Edmonton woman who wanted a babysitter and she asked this guy if he had children himself because she wanted to be comfortable with who was looking after her three kids. And he says, no, I don't have children. He didn't get the job. He's now taking her to the Human Rights Commission on a gender discrimination lawsuit. I don't want to necessarily talk about (laughs) whether or not, because we went down this road and I think everybody agrees that it's ludicrous. You should have the right to decide who looks after your kids, period, end of story. Of course. There's, I mean, that's not even the issue here. (laughs) What is the issue to me? What's going on with our country where human rights commissions will even take these cases? Why? This to me is the basis of being a parent. You are responsible for the health and welfare of your children. You are doing your best to find the person that you are most comfortable is going to look after them. Whoever you choose is your choice. But why in the world would we have human rights commissions that would say, that seems like a legitimate case that we have to investigate? Because doesn't it come down to the fact that you are actually, you're applying for a job. The job is to look after kids but he's applying for something where he's going to be getting paid. So you're taking away from his income. And now he's trying to find, and he'll have lawyers that will try to find that loophole to say, yes, you know what? There is some bias here. And I understand that there are circumstances, there are jobs where that would be fine. If you're doing computer work or you're doing whatever, you shouldn't be hired because you're a man or a woman or whatever else. This is a different thing. This again... These parents are, I hate to be so cliche, but their most precious thing in their life is their children. And if they are not entirely comfortable, they want to hire the person to look after their kids who they are most comfortable with. To me, in our country, human rights commissions and stuff should look at something like this and just say, go to bed, sir, leave, leave us alone. All right. This is, this is ludicrous. And because then where do you draw the line though? That's what, that's what the good, big question is going to be. Where well, do you then draw the line? Okay. And, and, and it's a great question because I would say, okay, so let's say that uh, someone applies to teach with the Catholic school board. Okay. And they show up for their interview wearing a pentagram and, identif- and, a, and, a, and they identify themselves as a Satanist and they plan to wear that into the classroom. The trickier one, because now you're sort of, the, the Catholic school board is funded by government money. But are you entitled to say, if you are ardently against the teachings of the thing that we're going to teach, I don't know. What if you are, um, you, you know, go down the list. You can find a million different examples of circumstances where it would be obvious to me that you don't fit with this job. So do you, what, do you maybe now have to, if, you, if you're putting these ads out there, I'm just trying to think out of the box here. Do you have to be a lot more specific with what you're looking for? Oh, I looking think that f- would get you in more trouble. 
Really? I think if you said looking for a woman to look after our children, now you've got it in writing. Mm. Now you're making yourself even more of a target. I mean, here at least you could argue if you were the first guy, I didn't need a babysitter anymore. Or if you're the second person, you could say, well, we found someone we were more comfortable with. They didn't have anything to do with a man or a woman. Uh, is there? I don't even know. Is there? Is there a book? Is there something online that that states out all what the human rights are? Oh, I'm sure. But <laughs> I mean, th- think of the the the, the extreme think... end of this thought process. Mm-hmm. All right. So we've got someone who wants to look after our kids. Mm-hmm. This is our life. This is our blood. This is our offspring. Our legacy. Our yep. legacy. We want to be safe. Yep. Could you have someone go to the Human Rights Commission? And I know the answer to this, but it's just, it's the next step. If I, if I win a bar somewhere and I ask a girl out on a date and she says no, can I take her to the Human Rights Commission? Because she was not willing to give me a chance. You know and how w- many appointments I would have at the Human Rights <laughs> Commission in that case? <laughs> but no, it's... it's it, it becomes a ludicrous thing. And it, again, the issue is not, there, I, I don't think anyone disagrees with these parents. It's why would a government body entertain these things? Is there a payout for these if he wins? Oh, yeah. There, there's payout? Oh, so, yeah. So it, it sounds like he's also trying to make a little money on the side. He's like, what what position can I put myself in where I know I might not even have to do the work, but all of a sudden I can now make a complaint? Huh? Uh, a human, Money grab. This, the National Post story says another complaint resulted in a recommendation, again, by a human rights commission, that a different mother pay him $1,500 in damages, leading to a court battle that he ultimately lost. But So we got this one. We've got the one out in BC of the transgender woman who's taking a bunch of uh, private spas to court because they wouldn't do a Brazilian waxing on this transgender person's male genitals, which they're not trained to do, they say, and plus their religion and upbringing wouldn't allow them to do that kind of work. And yet the Human Rights Commission is hearing that one as well. Like, honestly, like (laughs) at at some point... Enough's enough. You say, (laughs) I don't... Is there... Is it a human right to babysit someone else's children? Is it a human right to have your genitals waxed? Like, honestly, go to some third world developing countries where they're scrambling to find clean water and a little bit of food for that day in some shelter and say, you know, I know you want to drink clean water, but the real human rights here are that I must have silky smooth genitals. <laughs> Why would you want someone who's not comfortable doing that job anyway to d- to do that to you. See that? I thought, I thought, oh, these women had, at least these spa owners had such an opportunity. Exactly. So you know, we're going to use crazy glue to do this. And then can you only imagine if it's, and I, I don't know how all, if, but if it's done wrong or there's injury. Then oh, then there'd be a lawsuit. There'd be another lawsuit. You know, it's But like, I'm saying I'd, I'd take my chance in the lawsuit. I would use crazy glue and sandpaper. <laughs> This guy wants me to do it? Uh, All righty. This is how we do it in our spa. Let I don't her, know what you're looking rip, for. Let her rip, literally. <laughs> let her rip. <laughs> the, poor, the person may never be able to sit down again, but they wanted it. Uh, I don't know. I, I, we, we've Again, I've said this a gazillion times on this show. I think we've become such a sensitive sensitive society, and, and we're, we're, oh, woe is me. And it's a real shame, and as for the human rights, I, I don't know why they can't look at, uh, you know, who, when were the human rights written? Me, you know, is it time to maybe update some things in this fine world of ours and our laws, so on and so forth? I just think we need to clarify clearly what is a human right, because some of these things, to me, don't even begin to, con- to cross the barrier of human rights. A human right, to me, is... Life, this is the American version, life, liberty, the pursuit of happiness, but I think, you know, food, shelter, clothing, maybe in this country, education, I think I would put into that category. Healthcare. Healthcare. But again, the, is it a guaranteed human right when the, when the folks came over to settle this country, did they say, well, first human right, you must be able to babysit whomever you wish. (laughs) Well, so is it babysitting or is it employment? Would you put employment as a human right? Is employment, would that be considered a human right? No, I would say absolutely not. Because if that's the case, then every job you apply for, you can sue based on 
and then you don't get, you can sue because you come up with something and say, hey, I, that was my right to have that. You're not qualified, sir, to be a brain surgeon. Doesn't matter. I sure. think I could. Mm-hmm. You only, you didn't hire me because I haven't taken brain surgery school. Yes, <laughs> that's right. <laughs> well, it's my right though to do it. Like you, you walk down a path here where you realize how ludicrous some of these things are. But, but again, the, the people find loopholes and yes. lawyers want to get involved. Yes. Lawyers want to make money. Yes. And that's just how we have become as a society. We've become lazy. We've become greedy. We've become sensitive. I don't even know about the first two, but certainly sensitive. Oh, sensitive. Just how much easier would all of our lives be if we were not so often walking on pins and needles because something could be offended, somebody could be offended by something, something will lead to mm-hmm. some, and that doesn't mean that we should all be able to say anything we want. We, we should be able to say anything we want, but we shouldn't choose to say anything we want. I believe we should have the right to do it. Doesn't mean you should do it. We need to come up with an app or, or, or some sort of technology that, that helps people with their filters. It exists. Is there something that exists? It exists. Is it, it called duct tape? Did you ever watch Cheers back in the day? Sure did. Did you ever see the episode where Cliff Clavin got the neck, he put the, the buzz collar on his neck and Carla <laughs> got the yes. little remote yeah, and every time episode. he said something <laughs> offensive, <laughs> so you have this buzz collar that everybody has to wear and your app listens to you at all times and every time you're winding up to say something. It's getting ready. Stupid. I think it's wonderful. Let's, let's do that. Put it out there. Let's do it. First user, Kim Campbell. Kim Campbell, yeah. <laughs> Mike Fortune, thank you for coming Always in today. Always a pleasure, buddy. Thanks for having me. The Scott Radley Show. Weekday evenings from 6 to 8 on 900 CHML. The Scott Radley Show podcast is available on Apple Podcast, Google Podcast, and wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Scott Radley. Thanks again for listening, and do not forget to subscribe to this podcast. It is free. You will never miss an episode. And also, be sure you rate us and review us. Whatever you think of us, we'll take it. Thanks for listening. 911 on a new night Thursday March 14th on Global stream on Stack TV